Hello, and welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I'm the hostess and creator of this podcast, where we are dedicated to effective thinking through potent exercise. Join myself, a neuromuscular therapist and studio owner in Alexandria, Virginia, along with my co-host for conversations and topics such as high-performance athletic training, how our brain codes movement in exercise or sports, all the way to fixing fixing broken priorities that have been handed down to us by the fitness industry, and even all the way to yoga and functional medicine for holistic fitness. In this show, you will find podcast conversations with experts across the board related to these topics who are inspired by what they do and are passionate about getting it out there to those who are ready to learn. Ultimately, my goal is to provide the setting for facilitating these conversations that help us activate our individual and collective potential by feeding our brains to strengthen our bodies. New episodes are released on Wednesdays and secondarily on Mondays for five to six episodes per month. We would love to keep in touch with you via our newsletter at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. Please sign up for our free newsletter so that you can dive deeper into these concepts and the conversations. I assure you that there is nothing like it in the fitness online space. It would also be my absolute honor to know that you are learning from this content. Please send us an email or leave us a message on our SpeakPipe link at speakpipe.com slash thinkfitbefit. I look forward to learning and growing with you as we navigate complicated situations and thrive in our fitness. Today's episode is a showcase of mindset strategies and concepts for enhancing our capacity to thrive. Our special guest today is Pamela Gold of Hacked Fitness NYC. Her beautiful energy and background really inspires me. Pamela has been passionate about mind, body, and spirit optimization from a very young age. An overachiever from the start, she grew up in a farm in upstate New York, attended Yale as a microbiology and biochem major, and then moved to NYC where she supported the growth of a restaurant chain from 18 locations to over 100 and was the point person on an IPO all by the age of 24. After becoming a mom, she became passionate about physical fitness and wellness and founded Fulfill Fitness, specializing in personal training and nutrition coaching. She then spent two years as president of the Beacon Program, an NYC-based behavioral therapy, food, and weight clinic. Hacked Fitness represents what Pamela sees as the future of fitness, the convergence of science, tech, and that teaches us the next generation of evidence-based evolution. Pam is also the best-selling author of Find More Strength, Five Pillars to Unlock in Unlimited Power and Happiness. She lives in the New York City area with her husband and two children. Her mission 
really comes through here and that is being the strongest, most powerful version of ourselves in the most efficient way possible. And I've been to Hacked and that's H-A-C-K-D, no E. And it's true. It is, she put together the most scientifically effective way to become fit, like really strong. She is pretty much like famous for only working out 40 minutes a day and looking like a total fitness goddess. So go check her out if you haven't um, already. And this podcast was recorded before they are la- before the launch of her, her new platform, which is called Portal. And I'm sure we'll hear all about it very soon. Please check her out at Hacked Fitness, H-A-C-K-D, fitness.com, or on Instagram at Pamela P. Gold. So this episode is for you if you're curious to explore the concept of making room for change on a spiritual, behavioral, and physical level. So from a peer-to-peer level, I know this conversation will resonate with several of my friends because I've had this conversation. I just can't get fit, and I've tried all the things that seem reasonable and effective and focused. But on a spiritual level, on an energetic level, on an emotional level, they haven't made room for that change. And that's really where this conversation shines, that we're unpacking that big mysterious statement. And, you know, from someone who has learned that in a, um, I don't want to say the hard way, but it was a beautiful way, a beautifully broken way. It's true. It's completely true. We have to make room for these changes and that if you don't, you're just kind of fighting fire with fire or like you're in a self-defeating type of pattern. So this episode is really targeted towards that curiosity And a trainer could also benefit from this episode if they're interested in guiding clients to through behavior changes and they don't have the language. This is a really great start. Obviously, we're not doing some certification or anything like that, but to see, to hear what that sounds like and feels like, I think would be really beneficial to that trainer. And then anyone else, if you are like interested in fitness and, but you're feeling defeated, you can benefit from the tips and techniques that Pam shares today, uh, which includes breathing and integrating a level of oneness and acceptance and confidence that you just don't hear or read every day. This isn't the type of motivation advice that you'll see on, you know, hashtag Monday motivation. No, no, no. This is a very personal conversation about how to really make those changes. And honestly, it's so cliche that I get excited for every conversation that I share on this podcast. But, you know, we I really believe in this capacity, in this ability and these lessons to help you um, and lift up your capacity to thrive. This is a very 
soulful and fun um, conversation. The other topics that we discuss are integrating an energetic expression in fitness. We talk about independent thinking about your fitness journey and making your journey aligned with your spirit. We discuss retraining the brain with body and emotional pain, as well as unrecognized trauma with food choices and fitness choices. I love this concept of um, being skillful with our habits. That was just such a, a beautiful part of this conversation for me. And then a big one is that we share some self-development wisdom for the 2020 overload. Hello. And then she also even teaches me about emotional relationships to food and the blockages that are that can be associated with unhealthy eating and inefficient habits. Okay, and just one really fun announcement is that I'm hosting a free webinar really a masterclass on how to upgrade home exercise. So I focus on fundamental exercises, squat, lunge, push-up, burpee, plank, and make these exercises more functional for you to increase your strength, enabling you to recover from lingering tightness uh, and maybe even injuries because that's really where I focus my work in my everyday like face-to-face mask-to-mask client work is giving people techniques and exercises on how to like wake up these areas of old injuries so honestly I just really want to help people understand the connection between our mind, our bodies, and how we frame the relationship with fitness through our thinking. So if our thinking's off, so is our exercise. And I've been doing this in person for 10 years. So I'm taking a stab at this webinar format. And I hope you join us. It's free. And all you have to do is sign up at movementpathways.com or just sign up for the newsletter and hit reply on the email and I will give you the link to sign up. And I truly hope to see you there. It will, um, I don't have the date yet, but it'll be on a Thursday in the middle of the day, Eastern Standard Time. And I really am excited to share this stuff with you guys and my clients because I really think building a home exercise routine and a really smart way to approach it is a really good plan going forward. I really hate people. I hate to see people get wrapped up on the idea that, um, they, they have to go to the gym to get a good workout. Yes. You need equipment at some time, at some level, but not all the time. Like we, we can work on what we can control and we can do it at home. This webinar does not require any equipment, any additional bands, but I will talk through some strategies on how to use really simple things at home and just body weight for um, the upgrade to the exercise. Anyways, sign up at movementpathways.com. You can find me on the web at impactyourfitness.net at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. And then on Instagram, 
at Jennifer underscore Simone underscore Schwartz. That's my name. Anyways, I really hope you enjoy this conversation and get in touch with Pam. She has some really cool stuff coming up and 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 it's all about that like effective minimal dose. So all stuff that we can use right now and learn from our couch or, you know, just at home. So have a wonderful week. I cannot wait to hear from you and what you're learning from the podcast. Okay. Well, welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit. I am super excited because I don't know if I told you this the first time we talked, but since I had learned about Hacked years ago, I was following you. And of course, I went and visited and trained there and was just so exciting to see um, such an embodied female and having all like the same toys and the taste. And I was just so stoked by all that. Mm-hmm. So I <laughs> just wanted to let you know that. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I love, I love sharing, right? Like the, the most beautiful part of opening up a bricks and mortar facility for me was just that, that opportunity to share and connect and, you know, just you never knew who was going to come in and what amazing people I was going to meet. And I didn't have any anticipation of of that aspect of it. It was just kind of a surprise and delight. So thank you for being part of that. <laughs> awesome. Yes. I, yeah, I, I had a, I had a really fun time on the arc trainer. Um, that was probably the, one of the most curious things for me. And then the second one was the, um, evolved water. I don't know. Okay. To, um, well, it, it could have been the structured water that That's we it. you do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting. There's so many, so there's, there's a lot of things that we had at Hacked, have it Hacked, that um, you know, are very rooted in Newtonian science, right? There's a Newtonian um, science behind you know, the, R, the ARX or RX, however you want to say it, where you know, we, we can you know, measure in, in force and all that fun stuff. And then there are some things that we um, experiment with and share that are much more rooted in quantum physics, and it's harder to have real clear evidence-based research. So it's a lot of anecdotal um, experience that, that I've learned from my mentors and then shared with clients and clients report back. Um, and structured water is one of those where it's, 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 there's really, it's the forefront of, of a lot of the evidence-based science. And, and it's just, it's interesting. And it was, it was a really awesome opportunity to get to kind of have one foot in each, in each just like, I don't do woo. It's not woo. It's just mm-hmm. harder to really have that evidence-based kind of Newtonian science um, behind it. So it's interesting. Yes, which is why, like, you're one, uh, like, I would put you in a Shiro category for me Aww. because, like, I um, am of a science-based thinker, um, and I may have mentioned, but much much more in the mechanical side of things, Um I have been known to be of a reverse engineering mindset and sometimes I can get really mechanical and unrelatable uh, in some ways. And what I was so attracted with your brand and 
is that you you also like value science studied it like more than that really mm. lived it and have elevated it to like this level where we can use it so I would love it if you could like just comment on your background, your education, and um, essentially, you know, where you're sitting now. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll try to be as succinct as possible. So whenever he's like, well, I'm 42, so let's pack, pack it all in really quick. Um, I grew up on a farm, which is, I think, really meaningful because that's kind of where my roots are. I grew up literally on a 500-acre apple farm in a smaller town you know, not too far upstate New York, but upstate New York. And um, I was the first person in 30 years from my little small town school to get into any of the top schools. And so I went to Yale and I spent the first two years majoring in microbiology and biochemistry. I was obsessed with the hard sciences. Like at a pretty young age, I was like, all right, I want to figure everything out. If I was like, okay, if I can figure everything out, then I can reverse engineer the best results, right? Because I just want to live the best life. And I always intrinsically felt like, it was really me versus me. Like I'm super competitive, but at a young age, I realized that comparing yourself to other people was an inherently flawed <laughs> way to go through life. Like it, I, I was like, ah, that's going to lead to misery. And so I was always kind of comparing myself to myself and, and really just that, that intention to contrive from a young age, which I don't, I don't strive anymore. We'll talk about that when I get there, but mm-hmm. from a very young age, there was this, this, efforting and this trying and this striving to always be the best me I could be. Science fit right into that because if you really understood the building blocks and the mechanics of how everything worked and and why you got results, then like you said, you could reverse engineer the best results. So super into science. After two years, I switched to political science um, because I had to switch to something. I knew I wasn't going to be a scientist at that point, I was way too extroverted and my grades were not good enough to get into medical school at that point. And I didn't want to be a doctor anyway. Poli-sci became the thing. Graduated with a BA in poli-sci, but I ended up moving to New York City and um, going into business. And I ended up being the right hand to the chairman CEO of a company that we took the company public. So at the tender age of 24, I was the point person on an IPO and got really kind of into the New York City life. And I got sucked in to this New York City um, you know, just very materialistic and, and success driven and ambition. And it's contagious. And being in New York, it's, it is hard to not get sucked into that very dense um, kind of level of definition around success. And so that was a bunch of years um, where I became increasingly, increasingly unhappy. <laughs> it was just like, there's, this is not a recipe for happiness. Um, and I got married, I had kids, that was awesome. But a lot of the same challenges in kind of marriage and being a mom, where it's like, I want to be the best me I can be. And something is out of alignment. And so it was after my second child that I got really into fitness because I got this kind of awareness that something wasn't right. What can I do to feel better? And fitness was something that was like nuts and bolts, right? You can go to the gym, get yourself fit. At that time, I was about 40 pounds overweight and and wasn't taking good care of myself. So I got super into fitness and then I got super into nutrition because even though I had studied, you know, molecular biology and biochemistry, somehow I thought it didn't apply to my body. And so it wasn't until I was in my thirties that I studied nutrition, had that huge aha lifestyle shift, really started, started honoring my body, got in great shape. Um, Then I went to yoga school and yoga school reconnected me with 
a very deep knowing I had about energy, whether we call it spirituality or we call it kind of the energetic field. It doesn't really matter what you call it, but there is something there. And it reminded me of, of that sensitivity that I had to that and that knowingness I had around that. And meditation became a huge part of my life. And at that point, I was working out a lot because I had started a fitness company, was training other moms, working out some days four to six hours a week. So, of course, great shape there. Um, but yeah. then I went back to work. I got offered a, a position going back to work, running a company. And suddenly I found myself lucky if I had 20 minutes a day to work out. And so I started working in this behavioral therapy-based food and weight program, which it all comes full circle. You look back and you're like, oh, I see how that was important because learning yep. behavioral therapy was kind of like a missing link between the physical fitness training, kind of the spiritual, meditative, energetic um, you know, uh, awareness kind of stuff that was happening in practices that I was experimenting with and was getting such benefit from. Um, but the behavioral piece was a big piece. So I learned that while I was on the job. And at that time, I also started to get pushed with, well, how can I be more efficient with my workouts? Because I just don't have the time that I used to have. And that's when I started studying biohacking. And I started following Dave, Dave Asprey and Ben Greenfield. And that's how I learned about the tech that ultimately um, created Hacked. And it was, this, mm -hmm. it was a really interesting couple of years where I started having a much deeper connection to meditation much deeper, one could say, spiritual awakenings where I started experiencing more of kind of the quantum energetic field. And again, if you're a scientist, it even though we can't measure it, you can do these little scientific experiments on yourself. Like if this, then that, does this get results? Can I start to trust this deeper intuitive feeling? Even though my brain is like, oh no, don't do that. That's a horrible idea. But if you don't trust it and then you see that, oh, I could have actually listened to that. And I have a million stories, but it became, it became an inner scientific experiment that was validated for me. And so all these things were happening at the same time. I ended up feeling inspired to write a book. I wrote a book in two weeks and left the company that I was working for and started doing coaching. And I created a parenting program online. And it was during that time that I really started to get inspired to open Hacked. And it all happened really fast. And so Hacked opened in September 2018. It really did really well right out of the gate and was doing great. Uh, we were featured in the Wall Street Journal in February of 2020, and then COVID happened. Huh. And so where I sit now is I'm working on an online virtual uh, coaching program that weaves in all of this. Um, and it's just, mm. it's, been a, it's been a whirlwind for sure, for sure. And it's, uh, it's something, it's nice to recount and feel grateful and celebrate. Mm. So thank you. Uh, yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do um what do you think people need to buy into before they reach the place of oh my energy does matter? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It sounds so silly. Um, yeah. So we we need to first of all, I think, buy into this um, self responsibility and this ownership, right? That to you know to really start to notice where we're giving our power away, like wherever we blame, wherever we blame anyone for anything, we, you know, make excuses, we um, allow things to um, disturb our peace or to trigger us. Mm -hmm. And so it, there's a lot of underlying core beliefs that we have the opportunity to start to look at. And just, just from a very practical living life perspective, right? And it's a really good starting point 
just to be like, well, and of course, all of us want to feel better, right? All of us want to feel better, to feel more empowered, to feel more inspired, to feel supported and capable, right? We all want to feel that way. So we can just ask ourselves, start doing some self-research, what gets results? And I think once we, once we buy into that self-inquiry mm-hmm. and that ownership, that opens up a beautiful, beautiful garden of, yeah. of opportunity to start kind of <laughs> planting some seeds and watering some stuff and then seeing what grows and what doesn't grow. And like, I don't want weeds in my garden. I want flowers and fruit and beautiful trees. And, and it's, um, yeah, so it's, it's, I think it starts with that self-responsibility, self-accountability and asking about our core beliefs and if they work, do they get results? And Mm -hmm. just because it was true yesterday doesn't mean it's true today. So being open to that constant reevaluation, which from a scientific perspective, we can look at medicine and tech and every area of, of innovation. And if people were married to believing that what they thought was true yesterday is true today and is going to be true forever, there'd be no innovation. There'd be no evolution. So that first thing, just being willing to question your prior assumptions. I mean, if, if humans could just do that, I mean, just think for a second, the, the, the world that we had the, the potential to live in. And we see it all the time, whether we're talking about political stuff, we're talking about science, our personal relationships, where we just, we get closed-minded, we have sneaky fixed mindset around not questioning our prior assumptions. Mm. Yeah. And right now, as we are sitting in this crazy time in history, mm-hmm. uh, I'm very attracted to others like yourself that are seeing a call to recalibrate and rebuild. Based, well, you don't I have mean, a choice. Think, <laughs> it's, either, it's either that or you just say, you know what, I'm done. And, and yeah. I don't judge, right? I mean, I, it's, I don't judge, but you know what I'm reading right now? Did you ever read Victor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meeting? Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had somehow I had never read that book. And I don't, mm. it's so funny how that happens. And I always know that the timing is perfect. It's just the perfect book to be reading right now. Yeah. And, and it's not just because it puts things in perspective because obviously, you know, comparing what we're going through right now with like being in a, in a, you know, a Nazi camp, it's, it goes without saying from just a straight up comparison perspective, it's impossible to not feel grateful and, and kind of have a deeper perspective. But there's also just such a, a unifying thread of what he, he took away from that experience and then his, his kind of hypothesis around really, you know, what is the point, you know, of life that's just so relevant right now. Like, like mm-hmm. it's just universal and it's just perfect timing to revisit it if you've already read it or for the first time to pick it up because it's a short book and it really, it just said, yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Because I'm not, I do feel deeply connected to a deeper meaning, a deeper purpose, mm-hmm. just, just because I'm here. It's because I'm, oh, I'm still alive. I wake up each day. I'm like, oh, still here another day, you know, and that there is this connection to a deeper meaning. Mm, yeah. That for me, that book was ex- very transformative. I had a, um, a deep, uh, what would I say? I had a really profound visit from depression in my early twenties mm-hmm. and Kundalini 
Victor Frankl. There's like three more things I can kind of lay out that like really transformed how I spoke to myself and Mm. how I viewed my circumstances. Mm. And I, yeah, I'd say that was a major um, return, a a very big awakening for me. Uh, Mm. And, you know, growing up Jewish and, um, being influenced by, uh, you know, Polish, my Polish roots and, you know, learning about that. It was very profound for me. So Mm. yeah, it it would be a great time to revisit that stuff because, um, you know, I see this as a choice point, like a point where we can really harness the, um, the pause that Mm. we in our cultural productivity addiction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I would second that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, it just goes back to like, you're saying the stories that we tell ourselves, mm, you know, if we tell ourselves like, okay, how is this an opportunity? You know, what is life showing me that it wasn't showing me before and so it's, it's giving me this opportunity. It's calling me to shift directions or go deeper or take a bigger leap or something, you know, and, and tap into that question. Like one of my favorite, you know, just practices is asking myself empowering questions and then seeing what answers come um, because mm-hmm. the questions that we ask ourselves are huge. And most people, I think, aren't as as mindful or sophisticated and asking themselves empowering questions because whatever, however you frame the question, you'll get an answer. So if you ask yourself a disempowering question, like if I mess something up and I were to talk to myself, like, oh, Pam, what is wrong with you? Well, there's plenty of things that, that would come to mind, you know, that I could list out as things that were potentially wrong with me, which is obviously a shaming dysfunctional conversation to be having with oneself. Um, and instead, you know, to ask empowering questions like, oh, wait, what did I not see? What mm. did I miss when I made that what seemed like a mistake, which I don't like that word. It's like because mistake is that such a negative connotation. When I made that choice, took that action that had that unintended consequence, what was the thing that I didn't see? Or wait, this isn't the first time that I found myself experiencing this seemingly stuck loop. What am I not seeing? What am I not learning? What am I missing? And you'll get an incredibly insightful answer. That, oh, I really want to tie a bow on that. Uh, there's, <laughs> um, that conversation is part of what we accept as the fitness mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. You, you most people go to their trainer already answering these disempowering questions. Yes. And then a trainer's like, yes, I'll take your money. You obviously want to give me your money so I can fix you. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's that, that you need me. It's, it's a yeah. lower level relationship, right? A lower level covenant where you couldn't do this by yourself. Mm-hmm. You need me, which is the exact opposite of what you and I, I know, believe that each of us has within us the power to do this. And we're, we're merely coaches as trainers. We're coaching you 
And you probably are going to need a lot of different coaches along the way. And I'm never going to say I'm the only one or the best one. I'm here. And if you need to go dabble with another coach, that's totally fine. You do that. I will still be here. It's never, it's not personal. None of this mm. stuff is personal, never was. And unfortunately, much of humanity is still stuck in that personal separation, which is a dysfunction where we're experiencing the separation and we feel like there's something that's not enough or we're not capable. We don't have that self-efficacy, that empowerment on our own. And we've been brainwashed in all of our societal, cultural advertising since we were itty bitty, where we've, we've been conditioned to believe that story because it, it makes the powers that be continue to be able to, to take our money and take our power. And we need to slip it, switch it, yep. swap it, bring it back. And that's exactly it what I feel. Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, it's like that's the that that's the choice that I see that we can have right now. Like yes. the universe is presenting this to us. I mean, it, it does before and it has for eons. Like presented these opportunities, but this is like this is a big one, tsunami one. Yeah, <laughs> this is like this is undeniable. It's like there's I don't know anyone who in in some way, shape, or form hasn't been pushed, stressed, stuck, like there's something major that this has um, been a catalyst for that's been undeniable and it's shaken everything up. Like all the structures that we were relying on or had this illusionary kind of attachment to making it feel like we are safe and we know what's going to happen and we've got it all under control. <laughs> we've got it mm. under control. No, no. And we were never meant to, we're not meant to have it all under control. This is a dance. This isn't this isn't a control. Life isn't about control. Life is about whether you say a dance or a, you know, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a partnership, a play. There's something else. Orchestra. And orchestra. There's yeah. a lot of artistic mm-hmm. terms we can use, which I think is a much, but most of us, because we have unhealed trauma, unrealized unhealed trauma, and there's part of us that doesn't feel safe. And there's part of us, especially in the fitness world, you know, we're, a lot of us are overachievers where we're striving. Remember when I was younger, I had trauma that I didn't realize until quite mm-hmm. recently that set me on this overachieving path because mm-hmm. that's how at a young age I was like, well, I can't ever feel that way again. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to feel safe and keep myself safe by always being this and being so awesome that I'm going to control my environment. And mm-hmm. so I was striving and efforting and I wasn't ever able to really relax because there was an unresolved, unrealized trauma. And now I realize and I can breathe in a way that I've never been able to and I can relax and rest and be in a place of ease that I've never mm. been able to. Well, cheers to that. Yeah. With my hint. I like hint. <laughs> <laughs> um, and okay. So what, man, uh, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Um, anywhere. Yeah. I'm a very, anywhere, you, yeah. anywhere you want to go. I'm, I'm with you, babe. <laughs> um so what you know what the the theme is like institutionalized thinking and acceptance Mm. to independent thinking and Mm. um feeling safe and you I've heard I heard you say something not in this conversation but on a when I was doing my homework on uh, listening to other podcasts and you said something about the body feeling safe Mm. and that creating the right Mm, hormonal signature, chemical signature for us to actually get the muscles 
get the bod and yeah. maybe even get the mindset. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's like, you can't disconnect yeah. it. Right. And it's, and this is why when I, when I learned about behavioral therapy, this is why it was kind of the missing link because there's how we feel, what we think and what we do. Right. So three feel, think, do. It's funny. I used to talk about this all the time that I haven't talked about this in so long. It's fun. It's a good reminder. <laughs> so it's cool because you can't separate them out. And it's like a chicken or the egg thing, but it really doesn't matter. So literally what I say to clients, say to myself, it's like, what's the, what's the lowest hanging fruit in terms of thinking, feeling, and doing? Because if you do something constructive, you do something that would um, that you would make a commitment to yourself and you'd feel proud that you did it because you said you were going to do it, even though like, you know, you say, okay, I'm going to work out. I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to go to go, you know, go for a run and you wake up and you don't feel like doing it. You just don't feel like it. And you don't even think you can, if you do it anyway, even if it's mm -hmm. like the worst run in the history of all runs, even if you walk the entire time, the fact that you did it, you will feel proud that you did it. And they'll have a better chance at having positive thoughts that day, right? And I, I know that I've been meditating now for eight years and it I remember what it was like early on when my thoughts were like a wild dog, <laughs> you know, like that monkey mm -hmm. mind that just would be so dysfunctional <laughs> and so out of control and like unhelpful would be like an understatement. And I don't know if you ever read Michael Singer, Untethered Soul, but he's a great kind of first diatribe about like, it's like you have a, a crazy roommate, you know, <laughs> like, and so it's, it's a practice where you may not feel great. You may not get your thoughts all like in line where you want them to be right away, at least by taking the, the action in direction of your dreams, you can start to, to get the feelings and the thoughts, you know? And so mm. that's the thing. It's like, yeah, we want our body to feel safe, but what if it doesn't? It's okay. So one of my mantras that I learned from Mark Atkinson, <laughs> you don't make a problem of anything. You smile, soften, sink, and slide. So if I'm feeling like, I'll be honest, right before this podcast, it's like, oh, I'm not really feeling myself. And I was like, well, <laughs> not going to make a problem with that. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. just going to smile, sink, and soften, slide. I'm certainly not going to get in my head. Okay, first of all, get all of us, I think we know, we get in our head, man, things go wonky. I used to be a competitive volleyball player. And anyone who was a competitive athlete at any point, you know, if you get in your head, you're going to shank the serve. If you get in your head, you're going to shank this, whatever it is, right? And so just practicing not getting in our head, which takes practice. Mm -hmm. But it's like, so it's like the feeling, thinking and doing, it's like, all right, I may not be able to change how I feel right now. I may not yet have control over my thoughts. We haven't trained our brain the way that we would train a puppy, you know, to behave in the house and get kind of housebroken, you know, to not pee and poop all over the rug, right? Mm -hmm. At least we can always take the action. And that's why behavioral therapy, behavioral skills are so powerful when we're talking about fitness and we're talking about getting results. Because a little while ago, we were talking about core beliefs and what we think, what we really believe to be true. That's a tricky mistress. It's hard to get in there and really root out old core beliefs and old thought patterns that are dysfunctional. And we know hormonally how we feel is a tricky, yeah. the tricky mistress. So at least we always can control what we do. And that's why habits and behavior, it's like no excuses, like no mm -hmm. excuses. And people may need a higher level of care therapeutically 
you know, I'm not a therapist and behavioral therapy skills. There's no, we all have access to those skills and to be skillful. Like if nothing else during the day, I commit to myself that I'm going to be skillful. I may not be able to control how I feel because maybe, you know, my child was up all night or maybe I'm fighting something off or maybe I'm somewhere in my hormones and something funky is happening. I don't know. I may not actually, for whatever reason, be feeling great. I have days where I don't feel great. I'm human. And then there are days when my thoughts maybe are not cooperating and I have to just quiet my mind and not even go in my mind. Cause if I go in there, it's like not a pretty place, you know, cause there's a lot of things changing, especially now with the uncertainty. If I go in my mind, my mind is troubleshooting and, and reverse engineering all of these real world things that are daunting and are scary. Right. So I'm going to feel afraid and I'm going to have those because it's real. It's not, I'm not making up stories like the reality for many of us right now, the reality mm. is, we don't know how we're paying our payroll for running a business. We don't know how we're paying our rent. We don't know how we're paying our bills. Like, no, that's scary. It is appropriate to feel fear. It's appropriate to feel that. So we're not going to beat ourselves up if, if we're having those thoughts and feeling those feelings. So what can we do? We can at least always take the constructive action. And that's why having a coach, mm. having a trainer, having a plan for, for, being skillful with our habits. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's the process. And so we can start to make our body feel more safe mm-hmm. by taking these actions, knowing that we're eating clean, that we're moving our bodies, that we are meditating, that we're getting out in nature. We're hanging out with people and spending quality time with people, whether it's, you know, physically distant, but we're not, you know, actually socially distant. Those mm-hmm. are the things that we know tried and true are evidence-based behaviors that get results and you have to live in the process of it and not micromanage. Well, I just did it for five minutes and I'm not feeling better. I'm not going to, I'm throwing it out. I'm not going to try to eat clean anymore. Screw it. I'm having the cheeseburger and the French fries. But if you have the cheeseburger and the French fries, the second you fall off the plan, you just get right back on. You don't make a problem of it. This is my old um, partner used to say, Molly Carmel, who was founder of the Beacon program. She used to always say this body, because a lot of people that went, you know, had a lot of weight to lose. This body didn't go down on one cheeseburger, one milkshake. Nope. It's, it's, you, you do one thing that's a little bit off the plan. No problem. Get back on because life is about that flow. You know, that mm-hmm. story about the plane that's flying from New York to, to California, every single moment, pretty much you look at that plane hundred percent of the time it's off course. Mm. And so living life is that dance of recorrection. Oh, I'm going a little too far this way, a little too far that way, a little too far this way. That's what the brain does. Yeah. So we can experience in our heart, in our being, the flow of life. If you think mm-hmm. about it, we're kind mm-hmm. of always off course a little, and then you could beat yourself up about it. But that's mm-hmm. not the process. The process is the dance of the routine, setting a strategy, sticking with the strategy. When you deviate a little bit, you just get back on course. No big deal. Smile, soft, and sick and slide. Don't make a problem of it. It's a dance. Yeah. Is it, you know, sometimes I think maybe people's course is not well defined either. You know, I see it as when I, so I work in like neuromuscular therapy, um, people, their courses get me out of pain. Sure. I'm like, well, I don't work that way. Yeah. And I don't. And I work on stabilizing one joint at a time. And showing you showing the client that once you do that the body has more tools Mm. and 
but they still, you know, they might not still get the message and they might still be on that course of get me out of pain, get me out of pain. And which, which we can understand, yeah, right? We can sure. certainly sympathize and understand. And especially whenever we're in pain, it's that much harder to look at things from a, a, a deeper or higher kind of state of consciousness. Yeah, right? retweet. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And so just to be the first step, whenever I'm in pain, mm-hmm. I've retrained my brain. So the mm-hmm. second now that I'm in pain, I smile and I feel grateful for something. Like I just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have to think about it anymore because I've been practicing it for years. So now it's like just completely rewired. If this, then that. Every time I'm in pain, I mm-hmm. smile. I feel grateful. The other thing I started doing as a kid is I count to 10. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm in pain, I count to 10. If it's physical pain, right? Like if you bang your shin or something, breath. If I'm in pain, I take a deep breath. And I count. I keep taking deep breaths because we know when we are in pain, it impacts our brain. It impacts. It- we go into the amygdala. And we're in fight or flight and we don't have access to the frontal cortex. Mm-hmm. So we don't have access to a higher kind of more cohesive set of decision-making trees, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, just get me out of pain because it's a desperation. It's a survival moment. And we're meant to survive, which means just this thing that feels like it's threatening my very life, which is a great conversation because there's physical pain, there's emotional pain, right? Yep. And we have been wired to react to emotional pain in the same way that we react to physical pain, which is this urgent fight or flight, immediately make it stop, which is not functional when it comes to emotional pain because emotional pain isn't saying, hey, move your hand off the stove, you're going to burn your skin and you're going to potentially die. Emotional pain is telling you one of two important things. One, there's something external that's out of alignment with your inner value system. And you need to make a change, right? And that pain then spurs anger, which gives you the energy to hopefully then out of love, make brave, bold, compassionate action to adjust the relationship of what's going on externally. More often than not, I find that the emotional pain is showing me where I'm disintegrated from something that's actually happening in reality because most of the time that I personally experience emotional pain it's old it's not actually from the moment and my brain has been conditioned to make up a story about what's happening in the present moment that actually makes no sense when I actually look at it like you know someone on the street does something that feels disrespectful or feels inconsiderate and it's and it's like this how dare they you know, maybe, maybe reaction or this feeling of like, what? And then if you have the spaciousness, you can see with a compassionate lens that that's not actually what's happening here. You know, what's actually happening here is that person is juggling 15 things too, and is in the weeds too, and, and isn't actually, you know, aware of that. And it wasn't personal that they just bumped into you. And actually maybe they bumped into you, which woke you up out of something and it was a gift to you. And how was it? Because going after that person and, and attacking that person for being disrespectful or inconsiderate, that that's, doesn't make sense, you know? And so that's the thing about pain. And when you're talking in your practice about supporting people from this deeper kind of holistic, systematic kind of system level, you know, it may 
it may be hard for them to find that trust and that vulnerability and that patience and that grace, which is totally common when people are in pain. Yeah. I love the word spaciousness that you use. That was, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I experience from meditation. Yeah. I experience a spaciousness in my inner world. Mm-hmm. So when I feel pain, there is this spaciousness where I kind of, I don't know how much older I am than you, but there was this show when I was a kid where it was like this teen witch and she could put her fingers together and kind of freeze time and everything would freeze. And then she would be able to kind of problem solve and like fix whatever the situation was that went wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's really how it feels to me that like there's this spaciousness where it used to be bam, bam, where someone would say something and I would just get angry and fire off some sort of, you know, snarky kind of bitchy Mm -hmm. (laughs) horse retort. And now it's like, bam, huh, feeling angry. I'm aware that I'm feeling angry. I'm aware that this situation is something that I need to pay attention to. Let me tune in and see what's going on in me, what's going on in that person, what's going on in the full context of the situation, and then I'll respond. And it seems to happen in this weird kind of time-space bending place where it still happens in real time. It's not like in the beginning, maybe I paused longer, but mm-hmm. um, my experience of it is there's this, this spaciousness in time that helps me maneuver with more grace. Yeah. Ooh, that that's amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, it, you know, so how do you teach this to people? Hmm. So the first step, is a conversation around mindfulness and what mindfulness means. So I'm sure you have your own definition. And one of my favorite definitions, because I think it's kind of funny, is that um, it's all about paying attention. And you're only paying attention when you're paying attention to your attention, which sounds ridiculous. But that's, that's what mindfulness is, being aware of what we're paying attention to. Having that awareness, and I teach this to kids actually by giving them little flashlights super fun ever since oh, I yeah. was little. And I'm like, okay, here you have your flashlight. Okay, what are you going to choose to shine your flashlight on? And we go around the room and I'm like, look, okay, we turn off the lights and they all, ooh, you know, it's fun. And so I'm like, look, if you choose to shine your flashlight, you know, on the curtain and just look at that curtain, look at all the, the pattern and the density, you can choose to shine a, le- a flashlight on the library shelf. And ooh, now you can see the books and you have all of this choice. So what you choose to shine your flashlight on, your attention on, and your experience is going to be very, very different depending on what you choose. Now, Mm. most of us aren't mindful. We don't actually connect with that seat of awareness, that seat of, if you imagine a person holding a flashlight and your attention is the flashlight, right? And we can pay attention to our thoughts. We can pay attention to our body. Like right now, you could pay attention to your fingers and feel how you're feeling. Pay attention to your spine. Ah, Pay attention to your breath. We can choose. Most of us are on autopilot all day long. We just are. We just are. And so the first step is to have a mindfulness practice Mm. and to start to connect with that seat of awareness where we're aware of our awareness. We're aware of what we're paying attention to. And Mark Atkinson has a really good um, five-second practice for this. If you take like a, a feeling, like suppose right now, you know, I can I can be honest, but no, I'm if I t- tune into it, no, I'm feeling pretty 
pretty overwhelmed, like pretty stressed and overwhelmed. If I really let myself, I could really go into like, I am so stressed. I am so stressed. I am so overwhelmed. Like that's, that's true. Like there's a part of me that is right. So I can connect with that. Most people, when they feel big feelings, like my kids, they will relate to and resonate with, I am so angry or I am so stressed or I am so scared. I am the emotion. The next step is I am aware that I am feeling so stressed. And you can feel the shift. If you go from I am so stressed to I am feeling so stressed and you get more spaciousness, mm. right? Then the next one, you settle into that. I am aware that I am feeling so stressed. And you settle into that and you let your body shift and you kind of close your eyes and you sink into it. And you suddenly have a lot more spaciousness between your sense of being and the sense of feeling, right? Mm. And then the last one, the kicker, you close your eyes, I am aware that I am aware. And if you really mm. practice that, you'll look around and you won't even be able to find the, the stress and the overwhelm or the anger. It instantly takes you into present awareness. And then you realize who you really are is that seat of awareness or that witness. Mm -hmm. I am. I am that, which is shining the flashlight of awareness on all that is. And so the practice is some really simple techniques like that that help people experience it because we've all felt it. Whether it was looking at a sunset, when our baby was born, great sex, hey, whatever. Mm -hmm. We've all experienced that presence. So we know it when we feel it. And it's like, all right, well, how do I, okay, I know what you're talking about, Pam. How do I rewire my brain to go to that place and live from that place? And then that's just practice. And so you set up the habits. You know, most people I say three day, three times a day, put in your calendar mindful breath exercise. It could be peace begins with me, you know, just five times peace begins with me as you breathe could be box breathing, inhale, hold, exhale, hold, brings your attention back to present awareness. Breath is the link between this energy and this awareness and our body. Mm. So it's yeah. the breath, the breath, the breath is a great, great tool. And that's, do you use that in a, um, you, you use that as a tool, it sounds like, with your clients. Yeah. Uh, Easy, yeah, easily. Yeah. Breath, breath, breath. <laughs> yeah, because as we go through our day, yeah. are you aware of your breath? Are you aware of your breath? So if you just put in your calendar a reminder five times a day to pop up in your calendar, am I aware of my breath? And just bring your attention back to your breath. If you start doing that five times a day, you're literally rewiring your brain. So, you know, we have neuroplasticity. We now realize that what we experience, what we practice is literally rewiring our brain. It's creating new highways. And it may just be a little path through the woods right now, but if you keep going over that same path five times a day, mm -hmm. it becomes a rut. That's, it's an easy go-to thing where you start to feel stressed. You just go right to your breath. And by taking some deep breaths, deeper inhales, and then sigh, let the exhale out, let it go, you will feel a biochemical shift in your body. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that feeling well because it's a practice. It really mm -hmm. is. It's, yeah. um, it's, 
it's something that, yeah, I use, I use in the morning for sure. And yeah, I mean, I would probably say I use that three times a day if I had to, cause you know, it's, it's a centering that I do before a workout. I'm doing that in between clients now because yeah. um, taking on clients has uh, become a much more mindful practice for myself. Um, mm-hmm. And in the morning, you know, I'm, I use something like that and I, I do something called I call outcome journaling, you know, mm. what, what is my outcome? What is, what is happening today? And it's just, um, gosh, yeah, it keeps, it keeps me on course and it keeps me from jumping to conclusions. Cause I'm, I'm, Love that. That's my I know. Our brains, <laughs> our brains, our brains. You know, I, I had a um, Sonia Coquette. She wrote a book called Trust Your Vibes. But I, I saw a talk she gave once where she, it was, it was great because she used this analogy of having a pet dog. And that's our ego. And so, because mm. I had a, a kind of love-hate relationship with my ego, this egoic mind, which, you know, got me in a lot of trouble, this jumping to conclusions, making up stories. And I was like, well, you just lay the fuck down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then you get in a fight with it, which is not functional. Right. And so she used this, this analogy or story where if we, if we think about our egoic mind as a pet dog and and everybody's got their own. And at first I thought mine was a golden retriever because I grew up with golden retrievers and I love golden retrievers, but I realized Mm -hmm. mine's one of those sheep dogs, you know, that is so fast and capable. And, and the thing about a dog, you know, they love us. They, they want to, they have the best of intentions. They care. Everything they're doing is out of love and care. It's mm-hmm. just that they're dogs and they don't know the difference necessarily between the mailman and an intruder. And that's why mm-hmm. we, this witness part of ourselves can pay attention to what the egoic mind, AKA our trusty pet dog is up to and be the witness of what is true. Is it true that that knocking is a threat that we need to get all amped up about and like jump to the conclusion that like this person meant it this way, or it's, this is going to be like something that's really awful, or we have to get into that heightened state, or we can breathe, thank our egoic mind slash trusty dog (laughs) for pointing out that there was a potential threat. And now we're cool. We're cool. We're cool. I love, I like the trusty dog. I haven't, I haven't heard that. I really, I like it's helpful it. um, because I love yeah. dogs. It's like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Lay down, sweetheart. No, it's not time love to it. play right now. Yeah. Um, it's kind of how some people would use an inner child analogy too, mm, like a yeah. good, but I've noticed you've used some really interesting phrases. I'm wondering have you studied NLP or is this part of like the behavior psychology side you know, it's of you? It's funny. I've never studied NLP. Um, mm-hmm. I've been exposed to it a little bit. And what I've been told is that I use it naturally. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, that's what, that's what ah. I'm picking up on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know how I know it. Um, and even like Mark Atkinson, who I've studied with, mm-hmm. one of my friends was like, oh, you know, he uses tons of NLP. And I'm like, I don't know what that, and I literally had never heard NLP before. And I looked it up and then I was studying and I was like, I think I do this. I was like, I think I do this. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I think what my hypothesis is, is that we're all energy, right? And so our voice mm-hmm. is 
sound energy, sound vibes traveling, right? And and words mean certain things and the tones with which we use them and the way that we pause and like all those things, it's kind of like energetically weaving a gift, weaving a message. And so I think the study of NLP is really cool. Um, but I think a lot of the stuff that I've been exposed to over the years, it's like, okay, I think a lot of people just do that intuitively and who knows why. And it's cool to study with masters and learn some of the um, the techniques because it can help certainly all of us be more effective mm-hmm. at whatever it is that we're you know, hopefully doing in a, in a positive way for the world. Like I know that some people use NLP um, like in sales and, you know, I'll use the word uh, manipulatively, which isn't my favorite word because I mean, in some ways everything is manipulative. You know, we're weaving and we're, I mean, when we're healing people and we're working with clients, we're manipulating them. Mm-hmm. But manipulation in of, of itself makes it sound like there's a negative connotation, like a, um, there's a, an egoic kind of yeah, agenda. It's an agenda. You don't want to be known for it. Well, it's like it's anything. <laughs> but the thing I think that the real distinction is that it's it's about um, advancing a person, advancing a person's agenda, as opposed to being connected to a, a collective greater good. You know, mm-hmm. I know you and I share this vision of a collective greater good, where the healthier each individual person is, the healthier the collective is going to be. Mm-hmm. So we both are really passionate about health and fitness and wellness and well-being because mm-hmm. we know that that's going to ultimately be the tipping point for peace, for this collective well-being. Because mm-hmm. collective well-being, collective joy, collective love, collective peace, uh, yes, please, it starts with individual joy and peace and love. And if we as individuals can be mm-hmm. in a place of peace and joy and love, we're then going to hold that frequency and share it with people. And so when I talk and I work with people and I coach people, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. Like when you were like, you use interesting phrases, I'm like, cool, what are they? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's coming from this connection to a greater good because it's my own peace and I can't be at peace actually unless I'm holding a frequency of peace around me because we're not really separate. And so it's actually, it takes a lot more energy for me when I'm in the presence of someone with pain. But one of the things I know you can relate to, right? That's why you say in between clients, you have to. I hit up the juice, man. Yeah. Because you have to, because <laughs> it, it, it literally is holding an energetic frequency. Yeah. Of peace and love and joy. When you can be in the presence of someone who really is in pain, feel their pain, because I'm assuming like me, you're an empath. And so you feel other people's pain. Mm-hmm. And then you are feeling the pain, holding peace and love and joy while feeling the emotion of or the physical sensation of pain. And so that's when, when you were talking about the witness and when we're paying attention to our attention. I'm simultaneously keeping my attention on this energetic field mm-hmm. of peace and love and joy. And I'm holding myself to that standard while I'm also keeping my attention in whatever is happening three-dimensionally with a client or with a sudden, you know, emergency situation. You know, I've, I've had weird experiences. I find myself in crisis situations 
you know, where I'm, I'm called on to like a choking child and I end up like having to save her life or coming upon the scene of a bicycle accident. And there's someone lying in the, you know, in the road, their head cracked open unconscious. And, and I just end up being the person who is there stabilizing the situation as they come to, and they're terrified because they don't know what happened and waiting for the ambulance, keeping them calm and, and, and holding their energy to keep them calm and mm-hmm. feel supported and vulnerable with some person they just met. They don't, and they're literally have amnesia. I mean, I find myself in those situations, which it's like practice of holding that energy field mm. of peace and love, which goes back to Viktor Frankl and man's search for meaning. You know, when you find yourself in extreme situations where you're robbed of all external capacity to engage in some of the things that maybe we would have said were the meaning of life, maybe creation, um, you know, freedom of expression, you know, freedom of choice, right, of, of actually what you do and where you go, you know, basic human dignities, having all of that robbed, and yet still connecting with someone, something that is worth living for. And what is that essence that you connect with? And I would say that that's that deeper energetic field that we all are a part of that externally, no matter what the dire situation, we mm-hmm. can connect with that and not just connect with it, be it and hold mm-hmm. it for whoever or whatever the external that we come in contact with is. That's awesome. Full body, like, fuck yes, happening. Fuck yes. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, and then you feel it, right? Yeah. Then, then you do have kind of seemingly superhuman strength and capacity to overcome pain like the stories of people that you know ran marathons with like one broken leg and you're like what <laughs> you know like what <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. what superhuman yeah. superhuman capacity to, to keep on keeping on so what kind of what other tools are you using to show people the superhuman strength this the inner wisdom the inner peace the inner power that we all have because that's I'm assuming that's what your coaching is trying to get people to to yeah. see collective you know incentive as well like this is not a small like goal at all no it's kind of a big hairy audacious goal and thank goodness I have such fabulous kind of team members and supporters um, so we're launching an app that is a combination of messages like morning messages and and activities like going for walks or jogs or whatever and workouts um and the workouts infuse the underlying wisdom right and so while you're working out and you're um, tapping into different feelings in your body different connections to um your mind and to your your energetic body and how it feels kind of in your energetic core um you know, we're, we're kind of hitting a lot of a lot of checkboxes kind of in one eight-minute or 16-minute workout. So that's what we're working on launching. And then, of course, you know, meditations and mindfulness activities, the restorative days. So part of what I believe, and I know you share, um, that we have to honor recovery and, and give our body and our mind and our spirit, um, you know, what it needs to restore. And so you know, the programming is the workout where you're kind of training and stressing your body. And then there's the restorative training sessions where we're able to talk more and, and kind of have some, you know, deeper wisdom that we're connecting with in our bodies as we're doing more, um, you know, restorative uh, workout sessions. 
And so that's, that's what we're working on. Obviously, breath sessions are key. You know, we, we do a lot of journaling and we do a lot of um, interpersonal uh, effectiveness skills and then intrapersonal mm-hmm. effectiveness mm-hmm. skills to really tune into our relationship with ourself, our relationship with life, our relationship with nature, relationship with earth, mother earth, mm-hmm. as silly as that sounds. Um, there's an energy that, that the earth has that if we can tap into and feel connected to that, we're honoring that and caring for that and being sustained mm-hmm. by that. That's a thing. Like grounding is a thing, like standing outside on the grass, barefoot, staring up at yeah. the sun for 15 minutes. The, That's a thing. The audience <laughs> is not unfamiliar with that. Yeah. I, last week we had a uh, physical therapist that uses tuning forks, the biofield. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Light, we talked about sound. grounding. For, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. And so, you know, if people have access to the juve, red light, mm-hmm. photobiomodulation, great. If you don't, you have access to the sun. Like part of what we're launching right now is there's a no excuse, you know, journey here. There's a no excuse program. So even if you have zero equipment, you know, there are free binaural beats. There's yes, tuning forks. Yes, the earth. Yes, the sun. Yes, hot and cold contrast, mm-hmm. you know, therapy, mm-hmm. have a hot shower, the cold shower. There is a laundry list of no excuse practices that we can drip in with this program and lead people through. So if you ask, if you give people, you know, 50 new habits in one day, that's obviously not going to be an effective um, mm-hmm. lifestyle transformation. They'll be like, F you crazy lady. Um, uh-huh. But there's, there's a journey where you just start layering, layering these on. And then of course the nutrition and you know, the, the, the mindset practices, all of this stuff yeah. is a thing. Yeah. I mean, the nutrition falls into place when you, have have the access to the full body fuck yes and you understand that eating and kind of having a a a moment of gratitude for your food Mm -hmm. is part of the digestion process right Mm -hmm. like and then the nutrition the stuff falls into places and it it does but for some people it's really hard because for some people, their relationship with food is so deeply wired mm. with their relationship with their parents and their relationship with life. Mm. And it's such a deep, deep block, a deep wiring that happened really, really early on in childhood, and they can't see it. And it makes behavioral change particularly hard. There's like this mm. big, you're like, oh my God, I'm so self-aware in so many areas. And when it comes to food, it's like someone just knocked me over the head and like blindfolded me and I don't even know what happened. You know, I like get, and that experience, and I, there's so much um, shame and guilt and fear for mm-hmm. people that, that have that relationship with food. And I have deep compassion um, for that and, and patience and grace, you know, for that, because I've, because of the two years that I worked with Beacon, you know, I've, I didn't have that. It was actually incredibly easy for me to change my, behavior around food, although I still have moments and, and I slippery slopes and, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, sometimes I get bored or if I'm not really, really diligent, I'm, you know, I'm human. Right. And that's why mindfulness is so important. I go like this because I, all these things I always have, they're, they're little mindfulness reminders. Like it reminds mm. me, am I paying attention? Like, what am I putting in my mouth? Why am I putting this in my mouth? Um, so that's the thing about people's relationship with food, I find that for a lot of people, if they're not paying attention to interpersonal relationship 
skills and intrapersonal relationship mm. skills, how they feel about their relationship, particularly with their mother. Mm. There's a lot of research that food has a lot to do with your relationship with your mother. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Cause like, you know, I, I am, yeah, I'm on such a, you know, different reality. Thank goodness. Um, for myself. And I certainly don't help people with their diet choices. <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah, so I have two questions before we wrap up. Um, one is I got to know what, so what is, what are you using, um, at your house? Uh, what is your quarantine fitness? <sighs> well, because I had to close hacked mm-hmm. pretty much everything from hacked came to my house. Mm. So I have the most extensive home biohacking fitness facility <laughs> short of maybe Tony Robbins and, and some other billionaires. Um, yeah. So I've been lucky that I still have access to the ARX mm-hmm. and I have access to the Juvent, which is the microvibe plate and the Juve panel. Mm-hmm. I have the Pulse Center Pro, which is a $35,000 um, PEMF device. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's irresponsible financially, you know, for me to, to, to have all this at my home and it just has to be this way right now. So I am very grateful that I have access to this. Um, and I am designing a program and actually just, actually just this past week, the ARX went back to Austin because there's just no visibility now and when we're going to be able to open back up responsibly mm-hmm. in New York. And so I'm actually starting now the workouts that we're designing through the portal app, um, which is just about to launch in beta. So it's not even you know, available, but we're testing cool. out all of these workouts now. So I'm transitioning from having a very sophisticated routine from a technical standpoint to just going back to bare bones, body weight, you know, calisthenics, uh, really, really basic stuff. And because I know that there is a minimum effective dose path where from a fitness perspective, as long as we're paying attention to what I call the five pillars, which, you know, we all know that there's a holistic kind of set of of boxes we have to check for, for the way that we define it. We say physical fitness, mental fitness, nutritional fitness, sleep fitness, and communal fitness. So as long as we're paying attention to those five areas, the amount of physical work that we need to do to maintain muscle mass, maintain mobility, maintain um, the power and the agility and the endurance and the balance, all the, the different boxes that we want to check. It is just nowhere near as much as what most people think it is. And I've been practicing minimally, literally 20 minutes a week for years now. And um, I will say that through quarantine, you can tell hormonally that there's more cortisol because I have more visceral fat now Mm -hmm. than I have. And so I don't have any, you know, shame as I go, I know what's happening. Every woman I know, every kind of smaller woman I know has come to me like, I don't know what's going on with my belly. (laughs) And I'm like, that's just visceral fat from cortisol. It is what it is. We're going to keep doing all the stuff we know to do to lower cortisol. But other than that, like, I, I know I'm just as strong because I can measure it. I know my muscles are just as strong, just as dense, capable, and I work out very, very little. And so yeah. that's what we're transitioning to. No equipment whatsoever. I mean, I have access to a lot of equipment and I'm testing out this no equipment workout now. Oh, uh, yeah. I can't wait to... Um 
I, I, like, I, yeah, you're already invited back to the podcast. Obviously, <laughs> you can have a seat on the board. Um, the, the, yeah, and the thing I would love to come back to is, you know, having like a kind of uh, like a review of the body weight, the transition. Um, because you know, I have got a ton of, I've got a ton of stuff to talk about too, um, about that. So that's so freaking interesting. Um, well, you can be on my board too. (laughs) I'm all about, I'm all about collaboration. You know, like you Um, said, this is a really big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, and I'm not in it, you know, for egoic reasons. Right. And I know I can't do it by myself. Mm -hmm. And the more of us that support one another in this Mm -hmm. quest to literally lift up the vibration, right? The capacity to thrive both individually and collectively. I mean, the more of us that support this mission and just keep supporting it, supporting it, we're all going to get there. I mean, it rising tide really does lift all ships. Yeah. It do- yeah, it does. <laughs> it just does. Like, um, oh, that's a, that's a scientific fact. Yeah. Um, okay. So what is another, like we've covered several of these, but I want to hear maybe something again or something we haven't brought up, but what is a beneficial belief that you hold that you believe humanity could benefit from? That's a fabulous conversation. (laughs) Um, I guess if I had to say one, Mm -hmm. and this is not, it's going to be so broad, but this is like my thing is that love is the way it's Mm. not like I have a shirt that says love is the answer which is a great shirt. And I love that shirt. Um, but what I've experienced and I know, I just know it is it's not, we're not. So when you say answer, it's like you're in your head, right? But we experience love and we mm-hmm. experience being love. Things feel like love and it's very different than an emotional attachment that a lot of people define as love or think Mm-hmm. Is love because what happens is people experience love and then they almost immediately get in their head and are afraid of losing it. So then they attach to the person. Mm. And so dropping in out of the head and out of the attachment and the fear of losing and instead being in love and love is infinitely generous. It's timeless. It's impossible to lose something that's real right? So you don't, love doesn't limit. You know, you're Mm -hmm. not really in love when you're limiting Mm -hmm. in some way. Like I Mm -hmm. love you, but (laughs) no, like love has no buts. Love has no buts. So love is the way and and Mm -hmm. connecting with it, being it, trusting it, even when it feels scary, especially when it feels scary and dropping into that. Mm. And most people aren't rooted enough in feeling safe, mm-hmm. trusting themselves, trusting life, to allow that to flow through them, to allow themselves to be that. And the more of us that practice that, even if it's just, you know, on a little bit and then oh, went off again, on a little bit, up, oh, went off again, just showing up as love, which, which it just... It can be like lollipop moments. There's a great TED talk. It's like a six minute story about a lollipop moment where a guy just literally gave someone a lollipop. And his, the point of the story is you don't, 
we oftentimes think of these big moments in life and these big success stories and pinnacles of, of, of our life, you know? And he's like, no, like a life can be so meaningful and so beautiful and, and be a string of these lollipop moments where you just do a little thing and you never even realize the impact that it has on someone. Mm-hmm. So there's this infinite capacity to have these little moments where you just show up as love. That could be a smile. That could be holding the door. It could be, you know, noticing someone struggling and just being an angel in that moment. And be like, oh, do you need help holding your bag? Which, okay, COVID right now, we can't like ugh, get like in someone's grill and offer to hold them, hold a bag or something. But little things like that, it doesn't have to be these big things. But then we notice how in these bigger moments of our life where we have to make these big decisions. We have to make a call. If we ask ourselves, what feels most like love? Because Mm -hmm. love feels like flow. It feels like growth. Mm -hmm. Something will feel more like life, like expansion. Like love feels like expansion as opposed to contraction or constriction, right? Mm -hmm. And so being that, Trusting that literally as the way or Mm -hmm. as a gateway or a portal, (laughs) which is the name that Hacked is changing to as portal, Mm -hmm. that is a truth that I know. And if I could say one thing, just try it. Don't take my word word for anything. Mm -hmm. Try it for yourself. See how it feels. Yes, it feels scary. It feels vulnerable. And, you know, they say, like, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? Mm -hmm. So apply that to this. If you knew you couldn't fail, if you knew that whatever hurt you experienced wasn't going to kill you, you know, whatever, like if someone asks you for money, like, oh, well, how do I know they're not taking advantage of me? Or You don't, (laughs) you don't. (laughs) Does it feel, does it feel like love in that moment to give them the money? Or does it feel actually not like love? It feels like you're enabling. It's the mm-hmm. feeling that is the thing because your brain can't make sense of it. Rationally is always going to be this dualistic contrasted assessment that is always missing the space between which is the wisdom. So our brain is helpful. Ultimately it's best to not be in our brain as much and to hang out in that witness. And when you're hanging on that witness, shining the light of your attention when you're being the witness, what feels like love, what feels like expansion. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, when you're being the witness that I think that for me, like really resonates because it's, um, you're removing the, the egoic, um, yeah. me, love me, you know, yeah. uh, neediness, if you will. And you can also, you can also use the term energetic core. So you're mm-hmm. resting in your energetic core when you're the witness. And the energetic core, mm-hmm. you know, there's this timelessness in your energetic core. So your energetic core knows that time is a tricky mistress. It is not as linear and do, 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 do as we think it is. And so you know you're not in your energetic core if you are rushing, if you feel like there's mm-hmm. not enough time. If you feel like there's not enough of anything, you're not in your energetic core. You're not really in the witness. You're in the story. The -hmm. story of your brain is what creates any illusion of scarcity, 
any assessment of not enoughness. If you drop back down into that energetic core where you're witnessing the thoughts, you're witnessing the story, you're witnessing the feelings, the emotional feelings actually end up being quite dense. The spirit of love, the spirit of joy, the spirit of peace is much more subtle and mm. much more powerful. It's just most of us don't tune into that subtleness of energy, that subtleness of information. And we can practice that. And oh. that feeling of love, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like a gateway. It takes you through a portal or through like a, a wormhole of transformation. It's like if you want to level up, be love. Just be mm. love for a week and see what, what happens. Some things will fall away because there's a lot of relationships where we're not being love. Mm -hmm. When we start being love, they're not going to want to stay in that relationship because they were actually using us for some part of codependent storiness around like self-sabotage and scarcity and lack of worth and not safe story. When we start showing up as love, we'll attract different people into our life. And certain people who are currently in our life will go away, which is yeah. a good thing because it's all it's energy. Yeah. It's yeah. all energy. Um, oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I have to go. Yeah, so this sad. has been so great. <laughs> Lots of love. You are divine. Please, please keep in touch. Anything that I Absolutely. can do, I'm always here. Really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Oh my gosh, Thank you for listening. Yeah. 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 We have lots of rock stars um, subscribing to the podcast because they believe in this um, this ability for the body to change and for like it to continue to change and that there are more there's more to fitness than what is usually being sold out there and that we are like having intellectual conversations mm. to get to that collective incentive. Yeah. You know, it's a beautiful yeah, thing. That, that wisdom. Yeah. So we can yeah. all level up. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so all right. Much. Love we'll to you. Many soon. blessings. Mm. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with Pam and I. I absolutely loved and enjoyed that conversation. I learned about the some emotional contributors to eating habits that, you know, I don't I didn't I don't have to think about, thank goodness, very often. I also learned that making room for change in a spiritual way is absolutely necessary for our bodies to thrive physically and of course I as I mentioned I've experienced that but I really felt that I understood it more after this conversation and I cannot wait to learn what she is up to and follow all the things that Hacked and Portal have in store. So just a reminder that we have an offer for you guys to join a free webinar masterclass on upgrading your home exercise. 
And when I started my practice 10 years ago, the fitness world looked nothing like it does today, notably home-based workouts. Looking back, I had no idea how different my ideas of fitness were and how bad the advice is for 90% of programs on the market. I was determined to do things effectively and reach the deep well of potential for physical fitness that I know lives within us. If you're working to overcome injuries and tightness and build strength through home-based workouts, I can imagine that we share a similar frustration for the lack of results that so many other systems promise. So that's why I wanted to present this webinar for you guys so that I can walk through fundamental exercises like the squat, lunge, push-up, burpee, plank to make these exercises more functional for you to increase strength, enabling you to recover from lingering old injuries or muscle tightness or just to be more effective overall. And this class you can sign up for on movementpathways.com. Check out the show notes. You can also leave us a, an audio message on maybe stuff that you're learning from the podcast or something you want to learn at speakpipe.com slash thinkfitbefit. I would be so excited to hear from you. And as always, check out thinkfitbefitpodcast.com and our social channels, thinkfitbefit underscore podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Have a wonderful week and I look forward to hearing how you are thriving in your fitness.